Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Inner Source Healing Podcast, the program dedicated to helping you heal from toxic abuse. My name is Deborah Ashway, and I'm a licensed clinical mental health therapist and a licensed clinical addiction specialist. But more than that, I'm someone who's been where you are now and has experienced the devastating effects of toxic abuse. It's been a long journey through the path of healing, but I'm here to share with you the insights and the tools that I've gathered along the way. In this podcast, we'll explore the common symptoms that result from experiences with toxic abuse, such as depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, and feeling trapped. We'll also delve into the various techniques used by individuals with toxic and manipulative behaviors. But most importantly, I'll provide valuable techniques and practices to aid in the healing process. The healing journey brings us through those long-standing false perceptions that hold us back from experiencing a more fulfilling and meaningful life. It's about healing from dependency, codependency, trauma bonding, and abuse. You don't need to feel trapped anymore. Join me as we explore the path to inner healing and empowerment. Today's episode is about growing up with narcissistic parents, because if you find yourself in a relationship with a narcissist, it's possible that you were like programmed early on, that you had learned this early on in life from being raised around people that are either narcissistic, sociopathic, anyone along that dark triad, meaning that they are self-serving, ego-based, and they put themselves first. So if you grow up with parents like that, there's a lot of dynamics in that household. And it's important to look at that. It's important to recognize how this early programming set you up to be in a relationship with another toxic individual, how this was so familiar to you. The narcissistic traits are things such as grandiosity, lack of empathy, manipulation, and they ultimately manifest in parenting styles, which leads to a very, I would say, unique family system or a family dynamic. So let's look at how these traits can manifest into the parenting style, into the family dynamic, and shape the dynamics of these certain families. So let's look closer, like lack of empathy, lack of empathy. That's kind of a keystone. Narcissistic parents or anyone along, I'm just going to shorthand that to narcissistic. It really means anyone along that dark triad. But they, those parents, they often struggle to empathize with their children's emotional needs. And so consequently, this dismisses and belittles their children's feelings, and it makes it challenging for children to develop a healthy emotional connection with their parents. And then this ultimately leads 
children to feel invalidated and emotionally neglected. So they grow up learning that they are not as important, that their feelings don't matter, that their feelings aren't real. This causes that cognitive dissonance. They don't know what to trust because they learn to not trust their feelings. Their feelings are never validated and not reflected back to them. And in fact, in a lot of cases, their feelings are shamed or they might even get punished for their feelings because most of the time their feelings are what shed light on the toxic parent's behavior. For example, if a toxic parent, because they are self-centered and they're only looking out for themselves first before their children, they usually have some sort of ism or something that comes first, not their children. Something that serves them comes first. Let's just take an obvious example of like alcoholism. So if the alcohol comes first, then the parent is going to do everything that they can to protect that ism, to protect that attachment or that addiction. And if a child interferes with that, the child will get punished. And if the child expresses a need or an emotion about it, there's going to be a negative consequence. And that's an extreme case. That's a pretty obvious and measurable case, but it could be anything, anything that the parent needs to self-soothe or to make themselves feel important or, um, you know, having their own validation met, the attention that they need, the power, the control, anything that goes along with that will cause them to place their children second. And if we explore grandiosity and self-centeredness, narcissistic parents tend to prioritize their own needs and desires and achievements, even their achievements, above their children's. So they might use their children as extensions of themselves or reflections of themselves to boost their own self-esteem or their own reputation. And this can result in the children feeling like they're not valued for who they are at their core or how they were born, but rather instead for what they can do for their parents' image. So they learned that their accomplishments are who they are, not actually who they are, but it's what their accomplishments are. So they, again, they don't feel loved. That love is not reflected back to them. That love that they're born with that's absorbed, but it's not reflected back. What is reflected back is the need for them to achieve and succeed in order for the parent to feel good about themselves. And if we look at manipulation and control, which is all about the, that's a, a primary indicator of a narcissist is that manipulation and control. And these toxic parents will manipulate their children through any number of means, guilt, gaslighting, scare tactics, emotional coercion, um, silent treatment, rejection, insults, all kinds of things. So they might, they might use this conditional love to control their children's behavior and ensure their compliance. And this leads children to feel like their self-worth is contingent upon meeting their parents' expectations. It's kind of more of the same. If they don't meet their parents' expectation, they're not worthy of love. And on top of that, they're being manipulated. So their world, uh, their actual, their reality is being altered. There's a lot of emotional invalidation that goes along with this. 
These parents dismiss their children's achievements, emotions, or problems as insignificant compared to their own. Even if the child does show up with accomplishments and achievements to highlight what a great parent they are or what a great parent they have, even in that, they are still diminished by comparison to the parents. So they use these tactics like minimizing their accomplishments or mocking their vulnerabilities, causing children to internalize these feelings of inadequacy and self-doubt. It's like they can never measure up. And no matter how much they accomplish, although the accomplishments that they do have minimize the negative consequences that they receive, they still fall short of what their parents deem good enough or what their parents might have done. They're still never, ever going to measure up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And parents that are toxic are very unpredictable. They have very unpredictable reactions. So therefore, children of narcissistic parents often live in an environment of uncertainty. There's instability. Their parents' reactions are very unpredictable. Narcissistic parents might swing between praising their children, actually maybe even over-praising their children, and then criticizing them without any meaning or warning, without any sense, without any regulation to this. This unpredictability can create a lot of anxiety and a constant need for the child to seek approval and avoid criticism. It's like that inconsistent, positive, negative rewards. And anybody that has trained a dog or an animal knows that part of the training is the inconsistent, positive, and negative rewards. So this is very, very effective on programming approaches. This is is important to understand because if the child never knows what's going to please their parents or what's going to disappoint their parents, they're kind of always guessing and they're always striving to please them. They become people pleasers. And then there's this impact on sibling dynamics. Because in families with these toxic parents, sibling dynamics can become very complex. Parents might favor one child over the other. That's pretty common. They have a golden child. And then there is also something else known as the scapegoat, which is uh, the one child for all the family issues. Because part of this narcissism Part of it is not being able to take accountability, never being able to be wrong, never being able to internalize anything. So they have to have a scapegoat. They have to have somebody in that family system that takes all the blame or that they can put all the blame onto. That becomes the scapegoat. And this dynamic can create rivalry and jealousy and resentment. And siblings in, in this situation although they might get along sometimes, um, it's going to be really hard for them to form very healthy bonds, even with each other. 
Another thing that goes on is this weird competition that the parents have with their own children. These parents might feel threatened by their children's successes. And this is odd because at the same time, they seem like they want to be proud of their children's successes. They seem like they want to wear that like a badge, but at the same time, they're also there's this sense of competition and they attempt to outshine their children or undermine their achievements so that they can maintain that sense of superiority. And this competitive dynamic breeds resentment and it hinders healthy parent-child relationships, as you can imagine. And there's this, you know, the other thing too is like boundaries. There's either too many boundaries or too little boundaries. So there's this uh, kind of situation of enmeshment and or neglect. Narcissistic parents, they, they oscillate between being overly enmeshed with their children's lives and then at the other extreme, neglecting them entirely um, or having too rigid of boundaries. Enmeshment involves not respecting the children's boundaries and treating them like they are literally extensions of themselves, like their property. Parents think that they own these children they, these children belong to them as if they are property and not individual human beings with their own needs and wants and feelings. And then neglect, on the other hand, involves emotionally abandoning the child's needs altogether, leaving them feeling completely isolated and unsupported. And the other uh, aspect to this is these overly rigid rules of how to behave like little soldiers very rigid boundaries of what to say and what to do and how to act and how to behave, all of that stuff, how to think, what opinions to have. So in uh, in these cases, it's like there's no healthy boundaries that any child growing up in this can really understand. And this becomes a problem later on in life. There's a lot of emotional manipulation, obviously, that goes on because the parents want to maintain the control over their children. And so they're going to alternate between expressions of love and withdrawal of affection as this means of conditioning their children's behavior and loyalty. And this kind of overlaps with the enmeshment and neglect. So in these family systems, these manifestations of these narcissistic traits in the parenting styles, Obviously, they contribute to a unique family system that is marked by dysfunction, skewed power dynamics, and obviously emotional turmoil. The roles that these family members assume within these systems, such as the um, enabler, that's the child that's going to go along with the parent and try to acquiesce and cater to them in order to avoid the negative consequences, the golden child, and that's the one that the parents are going to hold up as their trophy to make the family look good. And then the scapegoat, which is the one that they're going to put all their blame on to so that they don't have to accept any responsibility. These further solidify these dynamics and it perpetuates this cycle throughout their lives, throughout their programming. Um, And it is important to understand this because later on in life, this, the programming is already set. This is how children grow up to operate in this situation. This becomes their norm. And when they meet somebody that treats them like this, these treatments, these behaviors are now, for these adult children, associated 
with love because it has to be associated with love in order for a child to survive. But later in life, it's disorganized because they don't know. It's also beyond their radar. They can't tell. This is normalized for them. So it's important to bring this into the consciousness, into the awareness, in order to break free from these patterns. We have to bring these into our awareness, and it hurts because it's hard to believe that our own parents would actually behave like this. And when we finally see it and we finally break this down, it's painful. You, you kind of go through a grieving process. It's hard to see. It's hard to ever imagine that your parent would do this. A lot of times this narcissistic abuse is way more subtle and way more insidious than we even think. That's part of the reason why it becomes unimaginable. Because sometimes it's overt, but a lot of times it's covert. And the parents maintain this facade, this sugar-coated facade of being super nice or altruistic or lovable or loving not lovable but loving and tell their children how much they love them and how much they sacrifice for them and how much they mean to them so it's not out in the open it's never it's not even detectable and let me just clarify that narcissistic abuse refers to a form of psychological and emotional manipulation and mistreatment that is inflicted by individuals with these narcissistic traits or even narcissistic personality disorder upon their victims. And this is within close relationships such as parent-child, romantic partners, um, even friendships. And this is toxic. It's the type of abuse that's characterized by subtle and insidious behaviors that makes it really hard to recognize. So it leaves the victims feeling deeply affected by its long-lasting consequences and not really knowing why. These, the programming goes unnoticed, so it's well hidden. And we're going to explore um, a little bit more about the concept and the subtleties as we've talked about before, narcissistic abuse or toxic abuse involves a range of manipulative tactics that is really ultimately aimed at controlling and demeaning the victim and taking away their individuality, taking that away from them, fostering them to become dependent on the narcissist. And these tactics, as we've discussed in other episodes and will continue to discuss, include the gaslighting. Gaslighting is really the term that is now used for distorting the reality of the victim to make the victim doubt their own perceptions. It includes projecting, which means um, when somebody attributes their own negative qualities onto somebody else. They put that onto somebody else. They don't own it. Sometimes that's obvious, but most of the time it's not really obvious. Like, for example, they'll say they will call their victim the narcissist. They'll say, you are so selfish. You are such a narcissist. That's, a, that's an example of projection. Sometimes it's in the form of silent treatment or guilt tripping. Guilt tripping is a big one. There's also this intermittent, the, what we just talked about, intermittent reinforcement, which is alternating between affection and withdrawal, and this keeps the victim uncertain and anxious. That's intentional. I mean, sometimes it's not intentional. Maybe they just, this is how they operate now, and they don't even have to think about it anymore. There's the emotional roller coaster. 
it's like a constant emotional roller coaster. Victims of this toxic abuse find themselves on this, they never, it's like super high and super low. The abuser's unpredictable behavior and mood swings create this confusion, this anxiety, and this constant need to appease the abuser in order to maintain some kind of semblance of stability and approval because it's always either one extreme or the other. It's never truly, or not for long anyways, calm and peaceful. And what happens is that there's this gradual erosion of self-esteem in the victim. It's kind of like the overt forms of narcissist abuse or toxic abuse is a little bit easier to deal with because you can recognize it. You can name it and call it out. Um, but the, the covert narcissistic abuse really erodes the victim's self-esteem at a more subtle level. And it just, it deteriorates their self-worth over time because they lose connection with their, with their soul, with their self. The abuser very strategically uh, chips away at the victim's confidence through this constant underlying, undermining criticism, belittling, the manipulation, and this erosion leads the victim to really doubt their own judgment and value, which is why after time, um, a lot of time spent with people like this, victims start to report difficulty with concentrating or difficulty making decisions because of the programming. They've been programmed to rely on somebody else to do this stuff for them, and they've been programmed to believe that they can't do this on their own. There's a lot of isolation and dependency. That's what they want. Narcissistic abusers, they want to isolate their victims from their friends and family. And so by doing that, they create, they, this, you know, adds to creating a sense of dependency on the abuser for the emotional support. Nobody else, just the abuser. That's what they want. And this further reinforces the abuser's control over the victim, over their thoughts and their feelings. And later on in life, when these children of narcissistic or toxic parents grow up, they'll, they usually do find themselves in other relationships that look very similar to this. For example, there's the extremities of the emotional intimacy and the withholding. That pattern continues. Narcissistic abusers or toxic abusers initially create this deep sense of emotional intimacy and connection. Our brains do that when we're born. We have to in order to survive. We have to connect with our caregivers. So what these toxic people do later on is they create this deep sense of emotional intimacy and they make it hard for the victim to recognize the abuse because they then become attached they want to form this attachment. They want to form this bond early on. Uh, however, the intimacy that they've forged is often followed by, by periods of emotional withdrawal and coldness. And this leaves whoever's in this relationship very confused and very desperate to regain the abuser's affection. So you're kind of repeating this same program. You're repeating the same actions based on the schemas that you have adapted from early childhood. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And remember, narcissistic abusers or toxic abusers, they rarely take responsibility for their actions. If they do, it's only superficially. And instead, they typically shift the blame outside of themselves, usually on to their partner or whoever's um, closest to them. And it makes them make the victim feel guilty for all the problems in the relationship. This makes it very difficult for a victim to assert themselves or confront the, the abuser's behavior or leave the relationship. Because if they're feeling like all the problems are their fault, they keep thinking that they're just going to change things and then um, things won't be as bad in the relationship or the relationship will get better. A lot of times there's, you know, this financial and social control in these relationships, especially in the cases of romantic relationships. These narcissistic abusers exert control over their victims' finances in one way or another, limiting their autonomy and limiting their ability to leave the relationship. They also manipulate the their victims' social connections in order to ensure that they have limited support outside of the relationship. They They might even just simply discredit their friends, try to... M- subtly maneuver the situation to make the victim feel like their friends don't care about them, like their family doesn't care about them, to make the victim look at them in a different light rather than actually physically isolating them so that the victim feels like it's their fault, like they're the ones that chose not to be friends with these people anymore or they chose to not um, continue connecting with their family We'll probably do another podcast on this topic, but just know that the goal is isolation. They want to maintain control. There's a very subtle degradation of this abuse that involves, um, rather than overt aggression, they do it covertly. These abusers may make very derogatory comments. They might use sarcasm. They might employ like these backhanded compliments that chips away at the victims, not only their self-esteem, but also um, their perceptions of their family and their friends. And it doesn't cause immediate alarm. Like it's not immediately recognizable because a lot of times it's under the guise of they are aligning themselves with the victim and looking out for the victim and trying to help the victim. So it's very, very insidious and, and super hard to detect. This is the complex trauma. This is the complexity of it. Because the cumulative impact of this toxic abuse, it really leads to these um, to situations, to this programming that affects a person's sense of emotional regulation and relationships. This trauma can manifest as symptoms of anxiety, depression, dissociation, and definitely difficulty forming healthy connections. Ultimately, that is the main effect. There's this limited ability to form healthy 
connections because they don't even know what that looks like. And understanding the nuances of narcissistic abuse is very crucial for any of us who've experienced it. It's also really important to recognize these very subtle signs and patterns because it can empower you to break free from this cycle of abuse. I mean, and that's what that's what we want to do because other than that, we're kind of in a trance. We're kind of operating on this programming. It's like we're not in control. The programming is in control. And what that means is that the person who implemented the programming, the person who does the abuse, who does the manipulation and the gaslighting ultimately has control. And that's not what we want. This can remain under the radar for a very long time, under the awareness. And that's the dangerous part about it. Narcissistic abuse, sociopathic abuse, any toxic abuse along this dark triad is a type of emotional and psychological abuse that is perpetrated by individuals who exhibit these tendencies who have you know fall along this uh, dark triad and it is very subtle and very insidious and it goes unnoticed for long periods of time and I think that's what makes it the most dangerous is because it's so insidious because it doesn't get recognized nobody calls it out you don't see it well not nobody eventually we do and that's what we're doing now but when it's hidden like this, it's, I mean, that's, it, it can operate incognito. You don't even know it's operating. While overt abuse is very identifiable because it's explicit, often it's physical in nature, this insidious narcissistic covert abuse operates on a psychological level. It involves manipulative tactics, such as what we've talked about, gaslighting, coercive control, love bombing. And love bombing is hard to detect, too, because that feels like they love you and they care about you. That's what it's designed for. And then the devaluation that's meant to undermine the victim's confidence and self-esteem. And that's not always obvious. That's a lot of times that message gets across in what's not said rather than in what's said, such as not congratulating you for something that you've achieved. And that's just one example. Sometimes you can, tell, you can tell that this abuse is going on because victims of narcissistic abuse often struggle with self-doubt, with anxiety. Um, sometimes you'll see panic attacks. There's a feeling of isolation, sometimes feeling trapped. And it makes it difficult for them to recognize the abuse and seek help but it's easy to see from the outside or easier to see from the outside the um the covert nature of narcissistic abuse can make it even more damaging in the long run because the victim might internalize this abusive behavior as normal and that's usually what happens it becomes their norm and then they start to turn it on in on themselves like they're the ones to blame it's their fault that's literally what they believe after a while. Um, and so it's crucial to understand and recognize these signs. The earlier, the better. The early detection can actually help victims seek the necessary help and support, that much needed support, before they become completely isolated or so isolated that they don't feel like they can count on anyone around them anymore and that their sole support is the abuser. This helps them break free from this cycle 
And so the first step is the education and, and the awareness, bringing this into the awareness. And it's not always fun. Sometimes it hurts. You know, it's, there's this element of denial and it's because it's the norm and because it's so hard to believe and because it hurts so bad to realize that somebody that we've loved for so long and have trusted so much and it has become so much part of our life that we are now bonded to is actually against us, actually has their best interest first and not ours. In fact, our interest, our best interest doesn't really play a role in their decisions or their behavior at all. And that hurts. And that's hard to believe, let alone digest into your um, awareness. If you are currently dealing with narcissistic or sociopathic parents, there is a difference between whether you are a minor and you actually are dependent on them or you are an adult over the age of 18 and you're no longer um, bound, I guess by law, to depend on them and you also might have your own resources or your, your own ability to depend on yourself. Um, because if you are an adult and you're still dealing with narcissistic parents, that, as you know, is going to cause it's really going to cause a lot of problems in your life with your current relationship, maybe with your current family that you are now trying to raise, with your friends, with your self-esteem, it, also even with your work because it undermines you. It undermines your confidence. So if you're dealing with this and you're not aware of it or you are at some level but not sure because it's really hard to believe that our parents would do this, especially since it's been since birth that we've experienced this and we are designed to attach to our parents at birth and these programming techniques have happened since birth so that's kind of all we know and it's very painful to recognize once we start to deal with it we're like wow I can't believe that my parent my mom or my dad actually does this stuff. They actually put themselves first. Could they actually be this evil? And again, that's a real hard thing for our psyche or our nervous system or our heart to accept. It's almost unbelievable. It is actually sometimes unbelievable. But if you're dealing with this, the first thing that you can do is bring this into your awareness. It will hurt. That's a guarantee know that it will hurt and then you might want to honor that pain because that pain means that you have the capacity to love and care and it's going to be very difficult to understand what this actually is you're going to try to sort it out your brain is actually going to try to sort this out for you it's kind of easier if you put it into um, two separate categories one, the parent that you love, their soul that you have attached to, what you know to be their soul at a very deep level. And then the other part, their ego, which is the manipulative part, the self-serving part. That is okay to be mad at the ego while still loving their soul. And so that's going to be tricky, but that helps when trying to sort through this and just remember, it's okay. Give yourself permission. 
You can love them and you can also be mad at their ego and that anger is necessary. That's what helps build boundaries. So boundaries are going to be your best friend. You want to honor the boundaries, your boundaries. You want to honor yourself, your soul. As much as you love their soul, you also need to bring that love back in to yourself. And loving and honoring your soul means protecting it and having healthy boundaries. And sometimes it's going to hurt when you set those boundaries up because you're used to the negative consequences that follow. It might be the victim role. It might be some form of gaslighting. It might be ignoring you. Um, and you know, your, your nervous system anyways already knows that this is going to follow. So it's going to feel like guilt when you try to say no. It's going to feel like you should be ashamed of yourself. It's going to feel, it's just going to feel wrong. So go into that rather than run from it and notice where it is and just feel it. And then kind of allow your parent, whoever that is, to sit with their negative feelings. Just allow that for a little while. Allow them to sit with their negative feelings long enough for you to have healthy boundaries and implement those boundaries and stick with those boundaries. Seek support. Start looking for support groups. They're all over the place. Search on Facebook, search on Instagram. You might want to search adult children of narcissists or dealing with narcissistic parents. There's so much information out there and there's so much support, but you will need that. You're going to need to normalize the way you feel because you've been told for your whole life that you shouldn't be feeling this way or that you should be feeling a different way or that you should never say no to your parents or or something along those lines. So you're going to want to seek support to help give you the strength that you're going to need to stand up against these schemas that you have adapted. And you didn't choose to adapt these schemas. These schemas are set up by your protective brain. So it's not your fault and they're not even really at a conscious level. And that's the challenge, bringing them into the conscious level. But you will need support. So the number one thing to remember is that dealing with these narcissistic parents or knowing that if you've grown up with narcissistic parents or any toxic manipulation, that there are going to be the consequences and the results are going to be all similar as far as setting you up for the programming um, to kind of fall prey to other people like that. And the things to look for, lack of empathy, the grandiosity, the self-centeredness, the manipulation and the control, the emotional invalidation, the unpredictable reactions, the enmeshment, like look at the boundaries. Is it too much? Is it too little? Does it seem to be inconsistent? The emotional manipulation. And look at the impact that it's had on you and your siblings. But more importantly, look at the impact that it's had on you. So these are the things to look for that can help you know that you're not the problem. You're not crazy. This is researched. This is consistent. These patterns show up over and over and over again. And if you find yourself in a relationship with yet another manipulative person, whether it's in your friendship or your job um, or your marriage or your significant other, it's important to look at all of these things. What is the programming that's keeping you there? What are the schemas that you are telling yourself? 
you know, inevitably you're telling yourself these things not on purpose, but it, again, it's that protective system. So you want to know that the subtlety and the insidiousness of narcissistic abuse is real. It's there. It's not in your imagination. And you want to find support. And I thank you again for tuning into this podcast. Um, subscribe if you want to hear more. Leave reviews. Share your thoughts. I usually have polls or questions after each of these episodes now it really helps because it gives me an overview of you know kind of where you as listeners are coming from things that you might want to hear it shows a little glimpse sometimes of statistics as far as when I ask these questions like what most people are experiencing that are listening to these podcasts that are seeking support. I want to continue to support you and help you. In the next episode, we're going to talk about the emotional exhaustion and why we get there and what that means. So please come back and listen. And again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Inner Source Healing Podcast. It is important to give yourself the self-compassion that you deserve. And remember that your feelings matter. If you want more information or if you want to contact me, please visit my website at www.innersourcetherapy.com.